There was once a man who lived in a very little town, but had very big dreams. He wanted to marry the queen. And yes, for some reason, the queen hadn't been betrothed yet. So betrothed, that's simply Shakespeare for Mary. So he packed his bags, curled his hair, draped himself in the best apparel he could find, and set off with nothing less than conviction in his heart. The queen had to do a speech that day at the arena, so the crowd had gathered in their multitudes. It was packed, you know, just like sheep rubbing against each other. And the man was part of the crowd too, but he patiently waited for the noise to send it out. And as soon as the queen stepped onto the balcony, he seized the opportunity and shouted at the very top of his lungs, saying these very magnetic words, I love you. And all of a sudden, a woman nudged him from the crowd and said, Hey, what is love? You know, and just like love, there are some topics we think we know, but when we ask to explain what it is, we quickly realize we can't completely do it. And I think time appears to be one of those topics. And that's the, what's going to be the topic of today's book review. It's going to be on the topic of time. You know, is time a piece of eternity? Or is it just something we use to kind of order our lives? Or is it maybe just like a scientific problem then that people haven't gotten to solve yet? Um, yeah, I had all these questions. So in order for us to be sort of on the same page and sort of on the same understanding, I quickly gathered a few explanations on various sources just before we dive into the book review. So first example, so simply, I mean, I just have three, three um, explanations. So the first example is from the physicist Albert Einstein. And of course, we can't be talking about time without at least mentioning Einstein, right? So, um, so going to Einstein, to him, time is simply an illusion that moves relative to an observer. So what that means is, um, if we both had, if we both were given 10 hours and I was to sit on the couch for the entire of those 10 hours and you were to travel, I would experience boredom quicker than you would and to me it would feel like time was longer, but whereas to you it would feel like time was moving fast. And to him it's just an illusion uh, that's related to the observer, which is you or me. So the next ex explanation would be a non-special continuum that is measured in terms of events which succeed one another from past through present to future. Mm, okay. And the last one is time can be defined as the ongoing and continuous sequence of events that occur in succession. Yeah, I think. So obviously... Um, this is something that even the greatest minds, quote-unquote, do not have like a truly clear explanation. But nevertheless, whatever the true meaning is, on the surface level, I think we all sort of have an, an universal understanding of what it simply is. You know, just like love. You know you love someone, even though you can't like fully explain it. So, so I guess the probable first question would be, why do we need to understand time right so simple answer would be because we dread the chaos and even if it, if we think we do not dread the chaos i think we probably should be dreading it because um everything else in the world you know like the stars the galaxies and even everything outside the world um, seems to be functioning in perfect order i mean if you go down to the 
very base of matter, like atoms, they too seems to be perfectly ordered. For example, I came across an article in Science that says um, that, in, I mean, in the galaxies, right? So they say that galaxies so perfectly ordered that even if a single star or a single planet went out of its orbit, it would throw the entire universe into complete destruction. It's crazy, right? So even if a single planet just moved a little bit off of its orbit, we would be in complete destruction. So that's perfect orbit, right? But somewhere in between the majestic universe and the smallest of atoms, there's the human lives, and we seem to be living in chaos. I mean, we seem to be constantly fighting against chaos. That's why someone that, that's excelling, someone that's progressing, what it usually means is um, they clearly understand and sort of feel a sense of order in their lives, and that can be categorized as that person being successful or progressing um, the way we usually perceive um, I mean, pro progressive people to be progressing. Right, so that means that at a very base level of progression, everything sort of starts with time management. Right? But obviously this can be quite a mundane and dreadful topic. I mean, at least for me it is. Um, you know, and I used to wonder if time seems to be so important and stands at the very center of progression, why then do we find it so hard to manage it in the correct way, right? And I know we've been, we've been sort of showered with books, textbooks, teachings, you know, from a very young age on time management, algorithms. I mean, even it's like our entire educational system is like sort of based on timetables, right? But yet, I still sort of, I still sort of kind of um, despise the idea of time management. I know maybe for the most part it's because of the way it has been usually presented to me. You know, it usually makes me feel as though I'm, I've caged myself and can't freely express uh, my imagination or my, cre my creative side. You know, um, and we usually use this example with um, a lot of my friends that um, person who budgets, whenever you start budgeting your money, it, it feels that you have less money. So that's why you tend not to budget because you don't want to constrict yourself. And, that's an, and that gives you the illusion that you have more money, even though you have the same exact money. Uh, and I guess it's probably why Einstein's illusion theory makes sense. But yeah. Um, but coming across this book, right, um, to me, it took a really different approach to this whole time topic, time management, time itself topic. You know, it, it was not something I expected. So it you, it starts off with the basics and the basics of what time is, but not in a scientific way or anything like that. So, so just for example, if you're starting to become a doctor, you wouldn't start off with sort of live operations on, on a live human being, right? But instead you would start off, um, you would begin um, from the basic knowledge, such as what the heart is, how it functions and stuff like that. Um, yeah, but probably with time, I would think, it being, it being such an abstract topic, it would be quite confusing to come up with 
what basics of dive action means. So PS, in case you're wondering, I just made up that entire story at the start, so don't go looking for it in anything. So today's book review is going to be on the book titled Time Basics by Jim Munsing. Now this book is divided into four main chapters, sub-chapters I guess is what they call it. Um, but it's the size is pretty digestible, it's not like a textbook sized book or anything. And it's definitely not like a scientific book on what time is and time algorithms and all that. And to me it's not too much of a traditional approach to what time management is. And um, and yeah, even though the author is pretty low-key, uh, so I tried searching him online and couldn't couldn't find any substantial information. Um, that's something I usually do with most authors. But anyways, uh, we're going to dive, or rather kind of try and paraphrase through the chapters as quick as we can, and just to get the highlights. So chapter one is titled Vision. Uh, and I really was intrigued by this chapter. Um, so this simply speaks on the way we perceive or see time. So an active example from the book would be uh, there was a couple, uh, a Scottish couple, who inherited a vase. So it, it got passed on to them by their parents and so on. And um, yeah, the vase was quite old, but still pretty good looking. So they placed it in their sitting room, right? So you can only imagine the number of times the dog nearly crashed, crashed it. Or, I don't know, the number of times the kids would play close to it and probably nearly, you know, destroyed it, right? I mean, it, it was a vase in the sitting room. They probably used it for decoration. And uh, if it got damaged, no big deal, right? But one day, they actually visited the museum and came across a similar-looking vase. So, they, as, they drew, as they drew closer to the price tag, um... He saw that the vase was priced at $10 million, right? You can just imagine the rush they had into trying to probably rush home and secure the vase now and probably start, start treating it differently, right? So what changed? Um, the vase certainly did not change. It was still the same vase, but the perspective of the value of the vase had definitely changed. So the idea of scarcity, right, um, is what makes things valuable. So that's why you wouldn't just find gold or rubies. I mean, for the most part, you wouldn't just find it laying around on the streets, you know. But that's what makes it so valuable because it's so scarce. So um, that's exactly the same with time. The way we perceive time makes all the difference. So if we're trapped into the feeling of feeling that... Um, we have such an abundance of time, you know, it loses its value because you think you have so much time to work on your progression and that you become drawn to not valuing your time that much, you know. And um, to another phrase from the book, so there's a um, millionaire called Jim Rohn. So, um, so according to him, he had a shocking discovery to find out that poor people and that's, just, that, that's not just in the monetary sense of things, but he said that poor people and rich people all had 24 hours, right? But what made the difference? And so according to him, it's uh, what they did with those 24 hours. I mean, of course it is. Um, 
uh, if you understand the importance and value of time, you would put it to good use as much as you can, right? Because if you know, um, if you're saying notes progress right now, that's something you usually, if you're sending something off to tomorrow, something so necessary to do, you saying yes to something else, which is probably the opposite of progress. And that's why they say, that's why they tag the principle of exclusion. So by saying, so what this is, is by saying yes to something, you're saying, you're at the same time saying no to something else. So if you're saying yes to drinking water now, what you're also saying is no to not drinking water. Right? Makes sense, I guess. But, um, yeah, but why do we need to value our time? You know, people like asking questions. Um, yeah, because it's valuable, that would be the quick answer. But valuing our time makes us aware of the amount of effort we need to put into certain things, you know, because uh, we can do anything we want, but we can't do everything. So there's, there's actually a difference there. Um, so you get to understand the importance of priorities. Um, and like this another code that says, poverty awaits those who spend high value times on low value things. So just like that means just like fun, it's not a bad thing. I mean, yeah, it, it isn't. But when having fun on high value time, uh, that tends not to be as productive, you know. So prioritizing is a necessary skill, at least according to this book. And um, yeah, that's why I always like using the food analogy. So like tasty things usually turn out to be detrimental ones. So anything that usually stays full for the most part is kind of bad, right? And um, has to be sort of consumed seldomly, not, not as always, you know? And that's the same with distractions. Nothing that, especially now, um, distractions have become more potent than they ever were, and abstaining from them is a good sign that you're making so much good use of your time. So, doing more of the hard but necessary things is also a good sign that you on the right path um, yeah this is me really trying to squeeze the entire chapter into like one quick go but the chapter dives into a lot of these aspects immensely it's really really interesting so so valuing our time is so important we should change our perception in order for us to be able to make progress and chapter two so chapter one was on value that time okay so chapter two chapter two is titled focus so at least try to find a relatable sport for this example so the book uses golf but i'm pretty sure not a lot of us can fully relate to that at least i couldn't but i'll use soccer football i guess so um so if we let's say we're random kids at a football stadium um and we would sort of have a clear vision of the whole aspect of the game, of what soccer is, how it's played, you know, where to score, how to win, and then probably take the action of playing the game. You know, we would we'll score a few goals, we would compete with each other, and um, and yeah, 
But if we have it all figured out, if we have the whole um, gist of soccer figured out, why don't we play in the major leagues, right? Why don't we play for the um, Countries Cup and all that? Now, it, it sounds like a crazy question, but why, right? Um, and because we did not focus on the details as much as we should have, you know, uh, on what it means to actually kick the ball, the time that goes into, you know, practicing the nuances of soccer and all that. And we would probably need a coach or a tutor for all that, because now what we are is we're simply just two random kids kicking a ball around and not exactly soccer players, right? So that's exactly the same with time management. So a lot of us take the same approach so we know and understand what we need to do, how we need to do it maybe, and uh, we take the action of, so so we, we know what we need to do with our time, how we need to manage it, and we take the action. You know, So that would be something like collecting timetables, calendars, to-do lists, and all that. And we would suddenly crash, right? Uh, and it's, I did it quite a few times, but I guess it's because I did not learn the basics of focus. So um, I had not given enough time into studying what it means to actually manage time. Yeah, so that's a pretty good point from the book. So how it goes about explaining this is that so our entire lives can be sort of summarized as trying to move away from the chaos, you know, that's why we need to keep our focus all the time so that we try and stay in order and not uh, lean towards the chaos. So by default, life totally gravitates towards chaos. So um, no one would just wake up to a perfectly ordered day, you know, by default. You know, so we usually wake up to, um, to a completely confused day and... Um, put in the effort in trying to keep it in order as much as we can continuously, you know. So as soon as we slack off, time just goes in chaos. It's, 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 it does not come packaged in order. It's always, you know, in the chaos. So, so, if, so that's what we constantly up against. We up against the chaos. So for example, usually when, um, after you've cleaned the kitchen and you feel hungry and you want to cook again um, it quickly goes back to being unclean unless you clean it in the process of cooking or unless you quickly clean it as soon as you're done with um, your whole cooking thing yeah so that's the same of life it leans towards the chaos all the time so we should be constantly fighting against it meaning trying to bring about order so that's something we that's an actual act we should constantly be doing. And it's not something that comes packaged, given to us, right? So how do we beat the chaos? So according to this, there are three basic guides. So planning, process, and systems, right? Planning, process, and systems. So planning, to find the chaos, we must plan, plan, plan. So planning is sort of anticipating and providing possible solutions to problems that might arise, you know. So, um, so I've set myself to, to this new schedule. And, of course, I can be naive to think that 
I would have the same enthusiasm I have today. I would have it tomorrow and the, the few tomorrows that are to come. You know, I, I have to plan what happens when I don't feel enthused, what happens when I feel lazy, what happens when I feel tired, what happens when I have so much time that I can't focus on what I've planned, right? So, um, yeah, so planning, the benefits of planning is usually not in the plan itself. So the plan can change, but um, even if we don't usually stick to the plan like it's gospel, uh, the process of planning itself would have taught us so much that the benefits of planning is in planning, not in the plan itself. So, uh, it, it's, it's, so, so the plan can change, but because we took the action of planning, we've learned so much that the benefits we reap is from the process of planning itself. You know, so that's why a lot of people tend to draw and worry so much about the results. You know, so if I plan my time like this and this, what would happen if uh, if I use this process, will it have results? So the truth is, processes actually do work if you stick to them, you know, and results are simply sort of byproducts of processes we follow completely and processes we stick to, you know. So which means... Having sort of a system in life of time management, whatever system it is, is better than not having any system at all, right? So if if you're not having a system at all, you're living in complete chaos and your life is not ordered, you know, you're not probably feeling happy with yourself because you're sort of craving for the order, but you need to have a system. So whatever system it is, it's better than not having a system at all. I find that to be pretty cool information. And, and the last section of this chapter, um, yeah, it really made me see time management differently because it sort of divides time into two main broad categories. So it's the idea of hard time versus soft time. So hard time is usually time that has immediate consequences, you know, just like going to work. So if it's either you go to work or else, right? So if you're not going to work, they're going to be, the consequences are going to be so immediate that you cannot sort of make peace with that. And soft time is time we set ourselves, like going to the gym. So if we happen to not go to the gym, the consequences are usually not that immediate, you know? So things placed in hard time and have a way of getting followed through. So you would want to place the most important things as hard time and give yourself immediate consequences to if you happen not to do them. And and usually I like this because I used to think that working, 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 working so much of the time is what we need to be doing. But I think work working is good. So you need to put in as much work as you can. But the focus does not have to be on you working as long as you can. You know, the focus has to be on producing results. So is you working five hours now, is it productive? Or can you do that in like two hours and do something else? You know, because 
the benefits are lay in the results that you produce with your time and not being caught up in the whole idea of simply just um, working 10 hours by the end of the day you haven't put in as 10 hours worth of results so it simply feels as though you've been um, wasting it so chapter three is p so far we might have had an understanding of how to manage and perceive our time and maybe we spend a lot of time on scheduling planning and all all the works and um that we do so much of that um that we don't actually find the time to actually take the action you know so we might have the greatest time management schedules and plans and all that but if we do not get to acting on that plan um it's all kind of in vain right but just like having the faster sports car facing in the direction that we need to go unless we drive it it's no good it's just standing there so we need to put speed to acting not just having direction but putting putting it to action so we've all at some point in our lives to use the phrase i'll do it tomorrow or have set things up that require our immediate attention to tomorrow and when tomorrow suddenly shows up if we even get the chance to do it we quickly convert that phrase to oh my god i should have done it yesterday right so procrastination is one of the biggest thieves of progress i have so much experience with that that um you know if i was me a few years back you know setting things up to tomorrow and never getting time to doing them i would realize that that's sort of a trap you know so uh, just like we said valuing time so the quicker you can do, get things done the better so so progress is relative to time so the difference between the beginner now i guess that's the common denominator you know between the beginner now and the master now is the amount of time they they both placed into the craft right the time is so important setting things after tomorrow is already late i mean we late already today it should have been done yesterday i mean that's the mindset we should approach um we should have an approach to this so so what that does is by acting on our plans you know planning we've done it so acting is so important now i think if there was just one thing from all the books you could get is action right so after we've planned we've acted and um that what what that creates is momentum so so an actual quote from someone um to keep going get moving and don't stop right so the problem we have with completing any job or task is either we don't start or we start and stop along the way. So what this means is conquering uh, any of these two. Uh, so what this means, if you could conquer st- starting, which is stopping you from progressing, and if you could conquer not falling off the wagon once you've actually started, then you'll be able to do completely anything. So, you know, um, that's why the momentum principle is so crucial to time management. You know, but why are we slow on acting? You know, why does it feel like we're not moving fast enough? 
you know, and according to this, it's because we do not have clarity to our task. You know, momentum keeps us going, but clarity speeds things up. You know, so if you sort of just walking around in life with sort of not a purpose or sort of something that you, it's not on on your immediate um, attention span. Um, yeah, that's gonna slow you down because everything else is confusing around you, and there's no like life pole that you're holding on that keeps you, that keeps your sail in order, you know. And that would slow you down because you kind of do not know exactly where you're going. So if you would, if you were on your way to the store and you just were walking around and sort of not knowing where you should go, it would take you longer than if you exactly knew where you were supposed to go. So having purpose, having sort of clarity to what you want to do with your time that would speed things up immensely right? and the last chapter which is chapter four it speaks about power so mastery you know so the surest way to save your time is to get better at it to get better at what you're doing to be a master at what you're doing you would be saving as much time than you were when you were a beginner so usually I noticed this when for when I started um, with programming. Um, so while coding, there would be certain things that I know now that would I could do in a minute that I would probably would be doing in like ten minutes when I was a beginner because um, now you know the whole path. It's easier for you. So you need to be, so I guess what it's trying to say is that we need to put in as much time as we can to become masters at what we're doing so that we will be having enough time to spare, right? And I think especially in this tech um, era that we're living in, saving time might come a lot more easier than it, it used to be. You know, so we have stuff like apps, gadgets, and, um, and I think a resource that um, people usually like undersell, and that's people, you know, connections, people, actual connections, you know. So um, I think in, in, in our whole journey of progress, you quickly realize that you can't really do everything, um, at least not if you're trying to get, get it done as soon as possible. You know, so by if you knew people or by getting to know people, you can save a lot of time to, because if you know someone that does this, you can sort of uh, outsource it to him and I would, I would avail time to you to doing a lot of other different things, you know. So how do we become excellent? Uh, are we born excellent um, or is it something that we need to put into work to become excellent? And so going to... Uh, we stole, I think that's how you spell it. Um, this, this is from the book again. So um, he once said that excellence is not an act, but a habit. Um, habits, right? I think. So we become good at what we repeatedly do. So the more we do something, the better we become at it. So that means the more time we put into something, into learning something, into a craft, um, the sooner we become masters in it. And when we are masters now, we save a lot of time because we get things done quicker than we would um, uh, a few years back or a few days back or 
whatever. So I guess the clearest secret to becoming great anything is simply putting the right amount of time into it. And that's all it is. You know, just putting the amount of time into something, doing so, trying to get something done as, as quick as you can because you value your time and you, you have to switch your perception to time being so abundant uh, to the idea of time being um, lesser than we usually think we have. So that's it. I think my quick conclusion would be that it seems we can't fully enjoy life if we do not have some sort of discipline, you know, if we're not continually fighting against the chaos, if it's not an action that we discipline ourselves to do, um, our lives sort of gravitates toward being chaotic, or which leaves us feeling as though we keep turning around in circles and not making that headway into progression. So if we're not managing what we do, if we don't have sort of a clear purpose of what we would want to do or who we would want to become in our lives, our lives simply tends to gravitate towards being something else, something completely chaotic. You know? So time is so important that it lays at the basis of us moving to that next step. So, uh, But sometimes I know we feel like putting in time into some task or in order for us to reach mastery would take us forever, right? So I think I saw this post making its rounds quite a few times that someone trying to take on the, um, the decision of studying medicine um, is discouraged by the amount of time it would take. So he would, they would say, wow, so it takes me five years to become a doctor? No, I don't have the time to do that. Even though, so it's, I think it went something like, so I'm 25 now, and so it takes me five years to become a doctor, so I would be a doctor when I'm 30 years old. So, wow, that's not something I would want to do. But the funny thing is that even if you do this the course, or even if you don't, you're still going to be 30 years old. So the question should really be, like, who would you want to be when you're 30 years old? Would you want to be someone that has um, a, doctor dis- a doctor's degree, or would you want to be someone that's just, um, that does not have a doctor's degree, right? So life is not like Photoshop. We can't just fix things as quick as we fill them. So we need to go through the whole process, just like a tree growing. We need to go through that entire process. But what could really speed this up is also having some sort of clarity to where we moving you know to what we want exactly what we want to do where we want to go you know and that would really speed things up right so you wouldn't just be um turning around the mountain you would have a clear path to your destination so the people we look up to have they just sort of like popped up out of thin air and all of a sudden become the person we sort of aspire to be to definitely not right they um, they had a hard times. They had a fight, fights against the chaos. But once they gained that momentum, you know, um, it, they began to see results. So all you need is the momentum, just like a stationary, a stationary, stationary. Sorry. So just like a stationary car. So if you're not, um, it's if you're not doing anything to it, it's just going to remain there. But if you like starting to push it, it might be hard at first. 
but the quicker it, it gets its wheels spinning, you know, it gets that momentum, the easier it is to keep it moving, right? So don't break that momentum. Take that first step into starting. Manage your time, value your time, and uh, become a master in what you are by repeatedly doing that act that you're setting out yourself to do. And, um, yeah, the results will last because now you deserve them, right? And so plan your time and just keep in mind that any plan is better than having no plan at all. So that was it. That was another episode of the Review Thursdays, which is every Thursday. And, um, yeah, thank you for tuning in. And I hope you stay tuned for more. Cheers. your time.